the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FEMA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership for Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor at Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is a marketing assistant of Rosenthal hmm. Wealth Management Group and is associated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC. It's time now for Making Money Sense with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here right now to answer your questions. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Making Money Sense is on the air. It is. Look at that. And it is time for another edition of Larry Rosenthal Show. But if you look at your television, television, but that's taking me back. If you <laughs> if you look at your screen and you're on and you're on YouTube, you'll see that it's not Larry. It's Dina. I'm not Larry. Not Larry. <laughs> but uh, good morning. So good to have you here again. I'm glad to see you. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, I am totally in the Christmas spirit this morning. I listened to the um, the traditional Christmas music channel in the car on the way to the studio this morning, and a little misty-eyed. I was listening to Bing Crosby and Ella Fitzgerald oh, and, and all of the old stuff that I used to listen to when I was growing up. Really um, made me feel a little sentimental. Yeah, a little nostalgic huh, when you think about it. A little bit, yeah. I can. Um, I remember my my mom and dad had one of those big long entertainment consoles, and on the left hand side it had an eight track player, <laughs> and on the right hand side it had a record player, and in the middle it had storage for the eight tracks and the records. And I would sit on the floor in wow. front of that thing with my ear to the speaker, just listening to the songs and belting them out at the top of my lungs. Those were the days, Chris. That has been a while. Wow. Golly. Yeah. I guess it's right here on Come on. We'll tell you a little bit why that's uh, very familiar to me. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful day to be alive, and uh, we've got uh, some wonderful things to talk about today. So what are we talking about? We, we do have some wonderful things to talk about today. We're going to do a market recap. We're going to talk about the financial happenings around the world. And then I'm going to talk about taxes. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Let's talk about taxes. Yeah, there's that, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's the end of the year. There are 22 days left in all of 2023. 
And we need to be prepared because once January 1 hits, it's tax season. So what can we do to better prepare ourselves for January 1 and the eventual preparing of our 2023 tax return? So I'm, I'm going to talk about that today. Okay. Well, let's, <laughs> let's get into it, I guess. But first, the markets. The markets. Mm -hmm. The Dow was barely changed this week. I mean, it was up. 0.01%. So the Dow is still up 9.35% year to date. And if you've been following, you know, most of that came in the month of November. The S&P is up almost 20 and the NASDAQ is up 37.62% for the year. There were times before November where it looked like this was going to be kind of a meh year. And then the Fed came out and left rates unchanged when they met on November 1st. And then we got a CPI reading that was better than expected. And then we got a PCE reading that was just right on target. So that made for some very nice equity returns in the month of November. We got an unemployment report yesterday that was a little, it was a little too good. You know, we've talked, Chris, all year about how good data is bad and bad data is good. Well, the the unemployment data that we got this week was just a little, little bit too strong. So that made the markets a, a little soft yesterday. But even with that, we saw a nice little mini rally on Thursday. And even with this data that came in on unemployment yesterday, the market still held stable. We didn't see a sell-off there. So that to me is a very, very good indication uh, that when the Fed meets next week, and by the way, they do, perhaps we get another pause in interest rate hikes. I personally believe when the Fed meets next week and when they give us their announcement on Wednesday afternoon, I think it's going to sound an awful lot like the November 1 announcement sounded. We're taking a pause on rate hikes. Any changes in interest rate policy will be data dependent. They, they use that phrase, and what they mean by that is every single time they meet, they're looking at all of these metrics to determine one very important thing. Have they raised interest rates enough to squash inflation? There's a list of, uh, depending on which list you look at, okay, Chris, there are leading economic indicators that the Fed looks at. I've got a list of 15 of them. And they're looking at those to see if those indicators are inflationary, if they are stable, if they are recessionary. And they use those factors to help decide what they're going to do with interest rates. I think we've gotten enough data up to this point that the Fed can take another pause and just watch. Mm -hmm. And if so, I think the market likes that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that we know and don't know what the market likes, but you do that through your indicators and things of that nature, and that's how we find these things out. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and as we're in this, I, I think we're in a transition phase. You know, we've talked about for a long time now this inverted yield curve. That's some jargon that, I, you know, a lot of people hear that and their eyes glaze over. They're like, I have no idea what that means. Mm -hmm. But what it means in short is that short-term interest rates on bonds, on CDs, on municipal bonds, the short-term interest rates are higher than those long-term interest rates. That's not logical. Mm -hmm. And when we see that inversion, when we see that change from the logical 
to the illogical many, many times that is, is telling us that recession is coming. Now, we haven't seen a recession so far, not in this cycle. We saw a little mini recession in 2020 with COVID, but we haven't seen an actual truly measurable recession since 2008. So to think that we might get a recession out of this, I don't think it's far-fetched, but thus far, we haven't had one. And the reason that we haven't had one is that those 15 indicators have not, the majority of them have not pointed us in that direction. Hmm. So we're still, we're still in the, are we getting a soft landing? Are we getting a hard landing? Are we getting a no landing scenario? And the Fed's a big part of that. Yeah. 855-767-3123, by the way, if you'd like to dial in and talk to Dina, who's in studio with us. She's our financial and retirement uh, person that is taking care of things for you today. So get 855-767-3123. So we got that stronger than expected employment data yesterday. So that made the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury fall just a smidge. Before the report, it was at 4.26%. After the report, it went down a little bit to 4.22%. The intra-week low yield on the the 10-year Treasury was 4.1%. So we're, we're, we're jumping around in kind of a range on that. And when the Fed meets and when they give their announcement next Wednesday afternoon, around 2 o'clock Eastern time, you'll see some movement in that 10-year Treasury note, and it will depend on what they say. And all of that flows through to gas prices, which are linked to prices of a barrel of West Texas intermediate crude. That that crude oil fell by almost $5 a barrel this week. It's at $70.70. And then if we look at the volatility, the measure of the roller coaster ride in the market, and we've talked about this over and over, Chris, sometimes that that VIX number, the volatility index, is well up in the 20s. And that means that the, the roller coaster ride of the market is more extreme. We have higher highs, we have lower lows, and we've got a lot more movement between them. The VIX this week is steady at 12.8. It's about half of what it was just six or eight weeks ago. So the volatility has come down, and a lot of that has to do with the positive movement in the market through the month of November and this expectation of what the Fed will or won't do in 2024. Mm. So the, the jobs numbers, I've, I've referenced that a few times this morning. Um, U.S. payrolls added 199,000 jobs. Uh, during the month of November. That was stronger than expected. That made the unemployment rate dip to 3.7 after reading 3.9% in October. We had a slight uptick in hourly earnings. Uh, Hourly earnings were up 0.4% for the month. They're 4% year over year. And all of this data, it, it helped kind of cool speculation that the Fed may start cutting rates in the first half of 2024. All of this, again, data dependent, Mm. because we're in this this transition phase. I think we are in a phase right now where interest rates are starting to normalize. That whole inversion of the yield curve where short-term rates are noticeably higher than long-term rates, that yield curve is flattening out. And the next 
the next several months, I believe you're going to see that yield curve normalize. I think you're going to see long-term rates come up. You're going to see those short-term rates come down and it will be more normal. And when we get more normal, I don't know if that is preceded by a recession or we just keep on moving. You're not going to see, or we're probably not going to see those 2% uh, for a very long time, if ever again, right? Well, which 2% are you talking well, about? Are you talking about 2% inflation? Are you talking about 2% mortgage rates? Yeah, which 2% are you talking about? Rates, yeah, the mortgage rates to 10 years. Oh, no. Yeah, we're never going to see that. Well, it, well, and I'll tell you what, Chris, if you think about what it took to get us to yeah, those 2 and 3% mortgage rates, we don't want the set of economic circumstances that it would take to bring us back there. No. It took the 08 recession. We, we rebounded from that a little bit. And then it took a pandemic. No thanks. No. I'd like for that to be firmly in the rearview mirror and have an economy that is closer to normal. Yeah, we got really spoiled by by two and a half, three percent, three and a half percent mortgage rates. And, and congrats to everybody who was able to take advantage of that. That's not normal. Mm -mm. Normal is closer to seven percent. Yeah, which which is still low comparatively in history when you think about it. way Absolutely. Back. Yeah, so that's still yes. a low interest rate. But anyway and it, i guess it is people were concerned with the inflation rates and everything else pricing them especially younger families pricing them out of homes and things like that um but that's going to hopefully normalize here as you've been saying i i think there has to be a normalization if you look at the housing market and and i was talking yesterday to a client all the way on the west coast uh out in california uh in the san francisco area and they're looking to buy a house and and houses Housing prices out there have stayed very, very firm, similarly to how housing prices in the, the D.C. metro area here on the East Coast have stayed relatively firm. We've got about 20% of buyers right now of homes. They're coming in with cash, so the mortgage rates don't deter them. But there will come a point where more people are going to want to sell their homes. Maybe their kids are growing up and moving out. They need to downsize. Maybe they're moving because of their jobs and they're going to a lower cost of living area. But we're going to see a time where we have more inventory of homes than we have right now. That should help bring prices down. I do think there's going to be a settling out of that. It's really hard to tell what the time frame is on it. Mm -hmm. If the Fed does start dropping interest rates next year, I don't think they drop them as quickly as they raised them. I think we see more of a slow bleed back down. I think their first rate drop is going to be a quarter percent and then they'll sit back and see how the economy absorbs it they'll watch the data and then they'll decide do they do it again you know they're it's like not going, it's they're not going to be a fast it's not going to be a fast drop back down they're they're like pilots i guess in the in charge of airplanes you don't want to make really quick corrections right it's like, <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's exactly easy, right they um you know, the, the Fed, I think, uh, on the on the negative side, I think the Fed waited too late by about a year to mm -hmm. start raising interest rates. I think if they had started maybe a year sooner, it would have been a less painful process. Mm -hmm. But that said, they've done a pretty good job of thus far of not raising so much so fast that they tipped us immediately into recession. Yeah. Now that now the challenge for them is going to be watching those recessionary signals 
and in adjusting monetary policy gently enough, but aggressive enough, walk the tightrope so that we don't tip into recession. I think that's the I think that's the 2024 uh, outlook for the Fed, as far as I can tell. Gotcha. Hey, listen, if you'd like to dial in, we'd love to hear from you. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. We are going to take a quick break here. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Don't forget, you can watch us at LarryRosenthal.tv. And if you'll look there at the bottom left hand of your corner, we have Anita. And she's out there. She says, hey, Dina. And if you'd like to put on put your information into the uh, YouTube uh, chat there, we'll put that up here as well and ask questions. So if you've got any kind of questions at all, give us a call. Dina will answer them. And we'll be back in more with, with more in just a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. Call right now with your questions, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Coast to coast from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. You know, last, last week we had Larry bouncing around to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, and I tried to get him to sing, and he just, uh, no, nah, he decided he didn't want to do that. He was afraid that it might cause pain to our audience, but I don't it's know. It's probably a good idea that he did not. <laughs> but you, I know, can sing, so I wouldn't have been at all uh, 
worried about you jumping in there and singing Rudolph with us today. But so. that's not why we're here today. That's not. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE123. And you are welcome to call us and, and uh, go ahead and get, put your uh, questions in on YouTube or however you'd like to get the questions to Dina, who is answering all of your financial questions here today. All right. So we're still talking about financial happenings during the week. A few little quick points. Moody's cut China's debt outlook to negative, saying that their use of fiscal stimulus to support local governments and its continued property downturn pose risk to the nation's economy. Hmm. I actually had a conversation with a client about China yesterday. I get a lot of questions about them because they're the second largest economy on the planet, second only to the United States. And I I think part of their problem is a demographic problem. They they have an aging population. For decades, they had the one-child policy, and that caused their population to start to decline. And, and there was a guy named Harry Dent years ago who did some demographic trend analysis, and he found a very close correlation between the size of the, of the 27-year-olds in the United States and the movement of the markets. He found that there were very steady patterns of activities that these groups engage in over time. And when these groups start shrinking, there are fewer people to buy products and services from companies. There are fewer people going out, spending money and keeping the economy boosted up. And I think that's what China's problem is, at least in part. But uh, that was that was the first Chinese downgrade or first hint at a downgrade of China's debt since 2017. So uh, for what it's worth, that's what we're seeing out of China. On the flip side, we're seeing Japan quite possibly revert out of their negative interest rate policy. They may do that as early as 10 days from now. The Bank of Japan is meeting on the 19th. It is a rate-setting meeting. Um, they're Interest rates are minus 0.1% right now. And yeah, yeah, I, I that's kind of hard to twist my brain around negative interest rates. I've got to pay you to keep my money in the bank. Yeah, that's what I don't like that. No, don't like that. But that has been the case in Japan for a long, long time. And now they're looking at moving interest rates from minus one tenth of a percent to zero. How does that work? Doesn't seem like much to us if we're thinking about the interest yield we get in the in the bank, but that caused the yen, their their currency, to strengthen by nearly four percent versus the dollar. Wow! So, watch China, watch Japan, for very different reasons. Eight five five seven six seven three one two three eight five five rose one two three. You've got one of those cameras, if you notice there. I thought I had that set on on lock. Well, you've got, but you have the gestures. The big thing about those things is actually, if you put your uh, hand up and you use a gesture, it'll start zooming in and zooming out. It's well, and I did, and I talked with my hands way too much. So, so. Hang on a second. Let me fix this. <laughs> kind of fun. Again, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE123. Well, now you know the inner workings of Dina's office, uh, in case you ever wondered what it looked like. Again, 855-767-3123. Okay. I hope that's okay. Yeah, um, I, I hit the little lock button, Chris. I hope it works. Live radio and live television. It's wonderful. Hey, Liv, give us a call if you have any questions at all. We'd love to hear from you. <clears throat> a few more little financial 
financial hits and then we'll talk about taxes because everybody loves talking about taxes at Christmas time, right? Mm. Santa Claus, taxes. Maybe it's the Grinch and taxes. Let's talk about Jesus. That's the most important part about Christmas time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So easing inflation concerns among U.S. consumers led the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index up to 69.4. The December, sorry, the November reading was 61.3. Well, what does that mean? There, there are all kinds of, of indices that are tracked, and, and there are a number of them that track consumer sentiment. And that's important because if consumers are feeling pessimistic, guess what? They don't spend their money. And if enough consumers don't spend their money, GDP drops. If that happens long enough, the big R comes in, recession. So right now, consumer sentiment is improving. That's a positive sign. Assets and money market funds reached an all-time high of $5.9 trillion dollars in the week of December 6th. That's a big deal because that also indirectly talks about consumer sentiment as well. People hoard cash when they feel like, when they feel uncertain, when they feel um, uh, like something bad's coming. And the fact that we have $5.9 trillion in money markets, I think that's material. If I look across Europe, German industrial production fell 0.4% in October. That is their lowest level since August of 2020, pandemic year. The Eurozone third quarter GDP stood unrevised. Eurozone GDP dropped at one-tenth of 1% quarter over quarter, and that was unchanged on a year-over-year basis as well. Um, the, the rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage has fallen to 7.03%. The peak was nearly 8% at the end of October. So that's a nice drop in a, in a pretty short period of time. And again, if we look at historic averages, that's right in line. Mm. It's just not our glorious 3.5% that we could have gotten a year and a half ago. Yeah. Hmm. So all of that to say, that's a whole lot of, of financial data, a whole lot of financial information I'm throwing at you. And Really, what it all means is the economy is still trucking along. We're still trying to find our equilibrium. We, we, the pendulum swung far in one direction where interest rates dropped precipitously. And then that pendulum swung in the opposite direction. Interest rates went way, way up to fight inflation. Now we've got to have that moderating of that pendulum. And I think we are on our way to that, thankfully. Um, don't know about you, Chris, but the past year and a half or so in, in terms of the markets and the economy, it's it's been unsettling. It has been unsettling. It felt a little beat up at times. Uh, you know, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> figure out what's going to happen next. But in this economy and the way things are going now and the outlook, what should uh, the average person, you and I, be doing uh, with our monies and, and our goals and our plans for the future? Well, I, I think that's a great question. Thank you for that. As, as always, make sure your financial plan is up to date. Make sure that your financial advisor knows your income, your outflow, your assets, your liabilities, so that you can see what your trajectory is toward your big life goals. It doesn't matter what the goal is. You need to know the trajectory. Are you on track to meet 100% of those goals or are you short? The market was down 19% last year. How much of a hit 
did your goals take in that downturn? How much of that have you recouped this year? I think that's the first thing you do. The second thing you do is do a full risk analysis. I harp about this every time I'm on the show. You need to understand the level of risk that you're taking and whether or not that fits your need for return against your goals versus your sleep factor. Mm. I don't want anyone investing in something that's so wildly aggressive that you lose sleep at night. That's not the point. So understanding the level of risk that you take in your individual investments, I think that's, that's, I think that's a very important thing. And and I'm also going to throw in, if you're within say a five-year window of retirement, you need to be doing this risk analysis on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. You need to be looking at what that means to you If the economy takes another downturn, if inflation isn't under control and we see another spike up, I'm doing hypotheticals. I don't think that's a likely thing. But you want to stress test your financial plan against those bad things. One thing that we know is is this phenomena called sequencing of returns. If you start retirement in a year where the market is down, it is much, much harder for you to recoup not only the losses that you take in a down year, but also the money that you withdraw to pay your bills every month. So I think having the financial plan updated, Chris, and then doing that risk analysis as part of the financial plan, I think those are two very basic things that all of our listeners should be doing. And, you know, I said once a year, but if you've got a great relationship with a great financial planner, they're probably going to want to do it a couple of times a year. Mm-hmm. And that's comforting. That is that is trying to get ahead of things. You know, I I'll, I'll use this analogy. I went to the I went to the urgent care about a month ago cuz I felt something coming on. And I knew that, well, it was right before Thanksgiving. I knew that if I didn't go in and get some antibiotics, I knew that on Thanksgiving I was going to be miserable. Oh, wow. And that's what I told the doctor when I went. I said, look, I don't have a fever right now. I've got a cough. I've got a sore throat coming on. Can you give me something to head it off at the pass? And she did. Wow. When, when you update your financial plan regularly, when you engage in that risk analysis regularly. You're doing exactly what I did going to urgent care. You're trying to head things off before they get bad. You're trying to look ahead, see where those potholes in the road are and figure out a way to fill them. Yeah. Well, I'm just kind of wondering about the individual who's listening to us or watching us and thinking goals, financial goals. Um, What what kind of goals should I have? I, I don't really have a lot of financial goals. I want to know, uh, what do I need to do as far as putting those goals and that plan together if I want to get started? Sometimes it's very, very hard to look ahead of where you are right now. I mean, think about it. Everybody is taking care of their families, paying rent or a mortgage, maybe paying a car payment, um, maybe trying to get everyone together for the holidays, maybe trying to figure out how to pay for the holidays. And it makes it hard to establish goals. It makes it hard to look ahead. So if that's your case, I would say this. Try to try to envision yourself five years from now and ask yourself the question, what needs to have happened over that five-year period for you to feel good about your financial progress? Mm. What things have happened personally? What things have happened professionally? And how did you get 
from there to there. Think about your family. If you have children, what do you want for them? If you are, are married or otherwise partnered, what do you want for your spouse or your partner if something happens to you and you're no longer here? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, coming up with financial goals can sometimes be very daunting. It can be intimidating and it can sometimes maybe even feel pointless. Yeah. But in doing financial planning, it's also about protecting the people that you love as much as it is saving for retirement or saving to buy a new house or those things. It's financial noble, goals man. take on financial goals take on a whole lot of different whole lot of different flavors just depending on your circumstance. Yeah, you, you hear people say, well, I just want to make a lot of money. I want to put a lot of money in the bank so I'm covered. <laughs> I, I just want to get all that money there. But it really isn't about money. It, it, it's about what the money can do for you and what you can do for your family. It's about the future and about legacy. And it's not about how much, really, just to, if, as long as it's enough to take care of things. Well, and, and when somebody says to me, I don't care, just make me a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I, what's a lot of money to you? Yeah. Because what's a lot of money to you may be different than what's a lot of money to me. Yeah. So we have to quantify those things. We can't just leave them in, in subjective terms. A lot, eh, what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. So a good financial planner is going to help you work through those things. They're going to help guide you. If you find it difficult developing goals, a good financial planner is going to help you with that. You don't have to know all the answers. You just need to work with somebody who can help you get there. And I might know somebody. Wow. You know, that's that's kind of profound when you think about it. You remember what Henry Ford used to say. He doesn't really know a lot by himself, but he surrounds himself with people that do know a lot about things. And that's, that's right. How, and so if you, if you surround yourself with a good team, that's the, that's the ball game, right? That's it. That's the whole thing. You need a good coach and you need good players. Yeah. Yeah. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123 is the number to call. Oh, my goodness. There's some more Christmas music for us. Love it. <laughs> we'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnetti today in a minute. The world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. 
dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea, call now. 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Merry Christmas and welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Dina, who's our professional in studio today, our certified financial planner who knows a little bit about this stuff. You've been, been around the block a couple of times there, my friend. You know, I, it's it's really funny. Um, I, I look back on when I started in this profession, and I started in 1998 on the on the very front end of the whole tech revolution. I heard Alan Greenspan give his famous irrational exuberant speech, and <laughs> and here I am, 25 years later. It does. It, it's gone. In, it's gone in a flash. It's it's hard to even imagine that that's how long I've been doing this. But yeah. I've been around the block a bit. Been a minute. Been a minute. Yeah. And, and happy to have been. And at this time of the year, what I'm doing in my house is what I'm going to recommend y'all do in your houses. Start thinking about taxes because there's only 22 days left in this year. When January 1 hits, it's tax season. We're all going to be watching our mailboxes for our tax forms, our 1099s, our 1099Rs, our W-2s. All of that stuff is coming. So, Am how I the do you only one who yourself? gets nervous when I see something from the IRS in my note in my mailbox? Am I the only I'm sorry, one? what? Am I the only one who gets nervous when I see IRS on the return address of a of a mail? It's it's, it's <laughs> never a fun thing. But and and I will say part of the reason for doing the things I'm getting ready to talk about today is to lessen the odds that you get that nasty gram in the mail from the IRS. <laughs> because when they send it, what, what I see most often is clients will come in and they will have filed their taxes for two years ago. They've got a letter from the IRS for the 2021 taxes that says, hey, you had some capital gains and some dividends you didn't claim on your tax return. Now you owe this money. Oh, it's not just owing the money when you get a letter like that. I had that happen a while back. Is you also get the fine on top of it, you know? Those, oh yes, <laughs> the, it's pretty hefty you, usually. Yeah. Yeah, owe the unpaid taxes, and because it's been two years since the tax year in question, because that's about how long it takes them to find it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you've got penalties for the unpaid taxes over that period of time, and then you un- end up having to backtrack and figure out what you missed. And you have to tell the IRS, hey, yeah, I agree with what you said, here's my payment, or no, I don't agree with what you said, and then you have to make your case. So what I'm talking about today will help lessen the chances that you have to deal with that two years from now. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing I'm gonna tell you is contribute to your IRA. If you have not made your IRA contribution this year, either traditional or Roth, You've got until December 31st to do it. A little caveat on both of those things. There are income limitations on contributions to both, and it depends on a number of different factors. I'm not going to go through each one of the factors. It will eat up every shred of the rest of our time today. Mm. If you need to know whether you qualify for an IRA contribution, either traditional, which may be deductible, or Roth, 
which is not deductible, shoot me an email, go to our website, send in a question from the website. I can get you the link for the, the what's and wherefores on IRA contributions. But 22 days left in the year, you've got to decide if you're going to do that. If you're in a situation where you can possibly deduct your IRA contribution, fantastic. If you qualify, you can deduct contributions of up to $6,500 this year if you're under 50 years old or $7,500 this year if you're over 50. So look at those IRA contributions, see if you need to get those done. You said and there is one thing you, did, you did talk about it. There are some income limits, right? At certain points. There are income limits, absolutely. And if you're looking to deduct a traditional IRA contribution, there are income limits and there are also considerations for whether or not you or your spouse have a retirement plan at work. So as I said, it gets into a lot of detail about who may and who may not deduct contributions. Shoot me, uh, shoot me an email, send a, send a question through the website, I'll get you the information. If you are self-employed, if you are a small business owner and you don't have any sort of retirement plan set up for your business, you can set up a simplified, simplified employee pension IRA called a SEP for short, or you can set up a savings incentive match plan for employees shortened as a simple IRA. Both of those can help you defer money from taxation in the current year. So all of that to say, look at your retirement plan contributions, see what still needs to be done for this year and get on it. Don't wait. As I understand it, uh, Dina, also with regards to a SEP, and you can tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong, that's not really necessarily income driven. So if you need to have a retirement plan as a small business owner, you don't have to worry so much about those income limits. You, you can still put some money away. Am I, am I correct about that? You can set up those plans without any income considerations, okay. but the amount that you can contribute to those plans is income driven. So for example, on the SEP, on the Simplified Employee Pension IRA, there's a basic formula that is 25% of net self-employment income. That will determine the maximum amount that you can contribute to that plan. So if you're a business owner and you're deducting everything and showing zero income, the SEP's not going to allow you to make contributions. You have to show income to do it. Uh, uh, that's the case with so, any IRA too, though. You have to have earned income, right? Yes, it's it's all a big what if and and allow me to make a, a shameless plug for getting a tax preparer if you don't have one, mm -hmm. especially if you're a small business owner, because some of these calculations get more complex than TurboTax can do for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 855-767-3123. If you'd like to join the conversation, we'd certainly love to hear from you. If you'd like to ask a question to Dina here today, again, 855-ROSE123. So talked about IRA and retirement plan contributions. The next thing is to maximize your deductions. In 2023, if you are a single filer, um, not married, you just file on your own income and that's it, your standard deduction amount is $13,850. And it's the same amount if you're married filing separately. If you are married filing jointly, your standard deduction is 27,700. If you're a head of household, it's 20,800. 
So Dina, what does all that mean? Well, it means if you have had a lot of mortgage interest, if you have had medical expenses, charitable donations during the year, and those things add up to more than that standard deduction amount, you can itemize on your taxes and claim those various items. If they don't add up to the standard deduction, you get the bigger one, you get the standard deduction, and that is a deduction of taxable income. So if you make $50,000 in a year and you can deduct $27,700 because you're married filing jointly, that takes $27,700 off of your $50,000 before they start calculating taxes. Mm. So the deduction piece of your tax return Turn is very, very important. That helps you minimize the taxes that you pay. You're going to want, oh, here it goes again. <laughs> well, it's all right. While, you, while you're working on that uh, Zoom situation there, uh, <laughs> I, have to, I have to ask you, the reality is when it comes to financial planning, <laughs> it's funny when you're talking with your hands, you never know who's listening, right? Um, when you, when well... The, uh, the biggest thing about taxes is that really is one of the major, if not the most important thing to consider when your financial plan is being put into place. Well, I don't know if it's the most important because all of these pieces of a financial plan, they dovetail important. together. Yeah. It's, it's all part of it. But, it but one, big of gotcha, the big th one of the big things about financial planning is learning how to outpace taxes, inflation, and investment fees. Those are the three pieces of your money life that you have to pay for before you can do anything else. So in that regard, yeah, taxes are a big deal. Go through, look at your mortgage interest, look at medical expenses that you had during the year. Look at those charitable contributions. If you were contemplating a, a donation to charity, this is the time to do it because Whatever donations you have made in this calendar year are the ones that count on this calendar year's tax return. You don't get any sort of, of extension on that. Those, those donations have to be made by December 31st. And allow me to remind you, Christmas is coming. Christmas is in 16 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a wake up call. Now, how's that for a reality check? <laughs> In 16 days, it's Christmas, which wow. means a lot of financial institutions are giving their people time off. Financial institutions are going to be closed. The markets are even going to be closed uh, on Christmas Day. So your ability to get these things done is actually compressed because people are going to be taking time off to spend holidays with their families. So if those are things that you haven't yet done and you plan to do them, do them this week. I would encourage you to also consider and think about this time of year, those who are not as lucky or shall we say as blessed as you may be. Right. Uh, this is a particularly difficult time of year for many folks who, who just don't have enough, uh, just don't have a lot. And if you can help out there, it's tax deductible, and that's an important thing, but it's also it's, it's for your heart and for what you can do for the Lord. I think those are important things to consider this time of year because it's really all about Jesus at this time of year, not about all the stuff you can get from your family for presents, but about what you can give, I think. That's me. 100% agree. 100% agree. Hey, hey, so, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, 
tax planning. We got to finish the tax planning stuff, Chris. And and number three on the tax planning list, manage your capital gains and losses. We've had a nice rebound year in the market, but there are some investments that still have not recouped what they lost in 2022. You can do what's called tax loss harvesting. You can go through and decide which investments you want to sell. And, and if they're selling at a loss, you can take that loss offset it against a gain on another investment and make a, a very tax neutral rebalance to your investment portfolio. We've been doing that with clients this month. We'll continue doing it until the end of the month because that is a way, a, another way to help people reduce taxes. Yeah. If you don't go through and, the, and do the tax loss, tax loss harvesting, you can end up owing income taxes on capital gains distributions from mutual funds. The tax loss harvesting helps offset that. Hey, there's a question on the screen here from our friend Arnita. Uh, I am currently contributing to an IRA, a traditional one, but I am retired. Do I get a tax deduction on my contributions? Arnita, I love you. Thank you for being there today. Um, if you are currently contributing to a traditional IRA and you are no longer employed, we need to have a conversation because you have to have earned income in the year that you make that contribution. IRA contributions are not, you can't do it if you're no longer earning a, a W-2 income. Hmm. So shoot me an email. We need to talk on Monday, Arnita. Maybe uh, maybe go to work for uh, Home Depot for a couple of months. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. People will tell me, well, I, I still want to contribute to my Roth IRA even though I'm retired. I love the Home Depot idea. Go teach little kids how to make birdhouses. Did you know they do those classes at Home Depot? <laughs> I know that. Yes, they do. You can thing. take your kid and, and go build a birdhouse and and. You can get paid if, if you're the one teaching the class, you can get paid. And, and if you make $7,500 this year teaching little kids how to make birdhouses, you can put that money in your IRA. Mm -hmm. Easy peasy. Yeah, you just have to have that W-2, right? You've got to have something, uh, some sort of earned income that you can prove and you're uh, able to do some contributions at that point. That's right. Let's talk about charitable contributions for a moment, because that is a, a big deal in terms of deductions on your tax return. But for it to make sense for you, you have to be able to itemize. If you're married filing jointly and you don't have deductions up to that $27,700, you can't deduct anything until you exceed that amount. But assuming that you are in a position to itemize on your taxes, you can make contributions to qualified charitable organizations. They're called 501c3 organizations, and they're named that because that's the section of the tax code. Those charitable contributions can be tax deductible. Just make sure you keep records of the donations. Call the organization, have them send you a receipt so you've got that. And here's a neat little asterisk for you on the charitable donations. If you are at the age where you have to take required minimum distributions from your IRAs, consider whether you want to send some or all of those required distributions to a charity. It's called a Qualified Charitable Distribution, QCD for short. 
And it allows you to do two things. First of all, it allows you to fulfill charitable intent. It allows you to help an organization that's out there helping other people. It also counts as your required minimum distribution, even if you don't take the money. So think with me. You decide you're going to send $5,000 of your required minimum distribution to your charity of choice. It doesn't hit your tax return. It qualifies as the required minimum distribution. You don't pay taxes on that five grand and neither does the charity. It is a win-win. The money has to go directly from your IRA to the charity. It can't hit your checkbook first. If it hits your checkbook first, then we're looking at, hey, are you itemizing and can you deduct it? If you're not itemizing, you just missed an opportunity. Yeah, I got gotcha. Hey, listen, I've got just yep. about three minutes on the snow globe clock. You know, do you understand what the snow globe clock is all about? Do you understand? I do. And I will tell you what, I had a client come in last week. So, <laughs> so in our headquarters, Larry, this time of year, put snow globes on any unmoving surface in the main <laughs> lobby. And clients know, they come in, they'll be like, oh, the snow globes are out, and they'll start shaking them. I had a client come in last week, and when I went to the lobby to get her, she says, Dina, I shook all the snow globes. I told her, if it snows, I'm sending a glitter bomb to her house. <laughs> You're not a fan of snow, huh? No. <laughs> not even. No. <laughs> give me the beach, give me the sand, give me the warm. I don't like the snow. You know, it all started with uh, Linda, who's the receptionist there at Rosenthal Wealth, and she brought one in. And I think only about the time that it's just about ready to think about snowing. She just, I mean, she must like snow. I don't know. Well, I'm not a snow liker. If I, if I can sit at home and look at it out the window, okay, fine. But not my thing. I saw the snow globe clock, and I just chuckled because I do know what it's about. <laughs> and um, everybody knows. Yeah, on the tax thing, the, the big thing, organize your paperwork. Uh, the end of the year is the perfect time to start putting your files together. Get your receipts, get your W-2s, get your 1099s. Have a copy of last year's tax return easily available. If you have all of this put together, your CPA, your tax preparer is going to thank you. Don't procrastinate. That just makes it worse. Do this at a time when you can devote your full attention to it. It's too easy to make a mistake on tax stuff. And make sure you keep good records. Oh, That's it. Yeah. That's it. Get ready. January 1 starts tax season. Get yourself prepared. Know what your deductions are. Make your IRA contributions. And if you're not sure about all of this, talk to your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, I know a girl. I know a girl, too, and she's pretty good. There's a lot of folks that are very, very good there at Rosenthal Wealth Management, and they can certainly uh, take care of you when it comes to thinking about getting a financial plan. And now is really about the right time to start planning for your future. Uh, when is when isn't, right? I mean, if you don't start today, when will you start? But fail to plan, plan to fail. Fail to plan, plan to fail. So consider that. Remember this phone number. That it does ring during the week in the office, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. You can dial that number at any time, Dina. That's right. And for those who attended Larry's November 30th webinar, thank you. We hope you got some great information from that webinar. Larry will be doing more webinars starting in January. He's going to do what we're all going to do. He's going to take time to go spend with his family on the holidays. So we'll see you at some webinars starting in January. That'll be exciting. We hope to see you there on the radio as well next time when, you, when you're when you here with us and we appreciate you being here. Dina, you're, you're awesome. You really are. <laughs>
Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, man. Ha- Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. 855-767-3123. Take a note of that number. You can call it at any time during the week and get your questions answered. And Merry, Merry Christmas from everybody at Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Have a great week. And if I don't talk to you, which I will, then have a great new year. See you. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.